and welcome to tonight's Zoomcast on entering the Lord's rest, namely the second comforter. Starting in DNC 67. Verse 1, Behold and hearken, ye elders of my church, who have assembled yourselves together, whose prayers I have heard, and whose hearts I know, and whose desires have come up before me. And verses 10 through 13, And again, verily I say unto you, that it is your privilege, and a promise I give unto you, that have been ordained unto this ministry, that inasmuch as you strip yourselves from jealousies and fears, and humble yourselves before me, for ye are not sufficiently humble. The veil shall be rent, and you shall see me and know that I am, not with the carnal, neither the natural mind, but with the spiritual. For no man has seen God at any time in the flesh, except quickened by the Spirit of God. And what does that mean that no man has seen God any time in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit of God? Well, it means first that a man or woman before entering into the Lord's rest must first receive the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost. Then they must receive the rest of the experiences they need. And then they must receive a brand new baptism of fire, which is part of this quickening. And then that baptism of fire must progress to a transfiguration. And then like Moses or like Enoch or the brother of Jared or like Nephi, then they are caught up into the seventh heaven or the high mountain or they enter into the rest of the Lord. They're quickened by the spirit of God. Neither can any natural man abide the presence of God, neither after the carnal mind. You are not able to abide the presence of God now, neither the ministering of angels, wherefore continue in patience until ye are perfected. Now, it is the privilege of God's people in every generation in which the fullness of the gospel is on the earth to be quickened by the Spirit and to enter into his rest, which rest is the fullness of his glory. And this is more than to see Christ in vision. This is more than to have Christ come down here and visit us on this earth. This is to have an ascension experience like Moses had or like Nephi had or like Enoch had when they were taken up to the high mountain which is not an earthly mountain, it's the heavenly mountain where Christ reigns in the fullness of his glory and come into the presence of Jesus Christ in his glory. Now, DNC 88. Verses three through seven. Wherefore, I now send upon you another comforter, even upon you, my friends, that it may abide in you, in your hearts, even the Holy Spirit of promise, which other comforter is the same that I promised unto my disciples, as is recorded in the testimony of John. This comforter is the promise which I give unto you of eternal life, even the glory of the celestial kingdom, which is 
having one's calling and election made sure. Which glory is that of the church of the firstborn, even of God, the holiest of all, through Jesus Christ, his son. Now, if we cross-reference DNC 76, verses 53 and 54 talk, talk about the same experience. And who overcome by faith and are sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise. And we've just read in DNC 88 that the Holy Spirit of promise is Christ. And this sealing of the Holy Spirit of promise upon us is and happens when we enter into the rest of the Lord and have our calling elections made sure and are sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise, which the Father sheds forth upon all those who are just and true. They are they who are the church of the firstborn. So just as DNC 76 testifies that when we enter into the rest of the Lord, we also become a member of the church of the firstborn, so does DNC 88. Again, verse 4, this comforter is the promise which I give unto you of eternal life, even the glory of the celestial kingdom. <laughs> which glory is that of the church of the firstborn, even of God, the holiest of all, through Jesus Christ, his son. He that ascended up on high, as also he descended below all things, in that he comprehended all things, that he might be in and all through all things, the light of truth. Or in other words, the light of Christ emanates from the body of Jesus Christ, and it fills all parts of the universe which are terrestrial. And that portion of the light of Christ, or that portion of terrestrial glory that comes down through the veils that separate telestial from terrestrial is what we call the light of Christ, and fills every part of the telestial universe except for outer darkness and it is literally that light which gives life to and animates all things and allows all things in the physical world to remain and not to literally disintegrate which truth shineth this is the light of christ as also is in the sun and the light of the sun and the power thereof by which it was made. And also he is in the moon and is the light of the moon and the power thereof by which it was made. Now it's not talking about that Christ is literally in the moon. What it is talking about is that the light and the power of the sun is possible because of the light of Christ and the light of the sun illuminates the moon. And therefore, the moon shines because of the light of Christ, as also the light of the stars and the power thereof by which they were made, and the earth also, and the power thereof, even the earth upon which you stand. And the light which shineth, which giveth you light, is through him who enlighteneth your eyes, which is the same that quickeneth your understandings, which light proceedeth forth from the presence of God to fill the immensity of space. And it's important to understand that this light of Christ is a physical substance, but it is like all spirit matter uh, of a more pure and more refined substance than that which we are normally familiar with on this earth. Verse 13, the light which is in all things, which giveth life to all things, 
which is the law by which all things are governed. Even the power of God who sitteth upon his throne, who is in the bosom of eternity, who is in the midst of all things. And John 14. Referring back to DNC 88, uh, verse 3. Wherefore, I now send upon you another comforter. Now, this another comforter can't be the same as the first comforter, which is the Holy Ghost. This another comforter is the second comforter. Even upon you, my friends, that it, might ab that it may abide in your hearts, even the Holy Spirit of promise. Which other comforter is the same that I promised unto my disciples, as is recorded in the testimony of John. Okay, and that testimony begins in John chapter 14, verse 15. If ye love me, keep my commandments. Now, this keeping my commandments is the same as what Nephi refers to in 2 Nephi 31. Or 2 Nephi 32, when he poses the question, well, I perceive you wonder what should you do after you have entered in by the way or received the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost. And in verse 3, he says, feast upon the words of Christ, for behold, the words of Christ will tell you all things what you should do. To what? To part the veil and enter into his presence, that you might be taught directly by Christ. Verse 6, behold, this is the doctrine of Christ, and there will be no more doctrine given until after he shall manifest himself unto you in the flesh. And after he shall manifest himself unto you in the flesh, the things which he shall say unto you shall ye observe to do. So, if ye love me, keep my commandments. Or, after you have received the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, which shall occur on the day of Pentecost, if you then will feast upon the words of Christ or seek after, receive, and act on revelation, you know, the same that is meant in DNC 7652, those who overcome by faith, seeking after, receiving, and acting on revelation will be instructed about how to part the veil and enter into the rest of the Lord. Um, that's what this verse means, verse 15 in John 14, if ye love me, keep my commandments as I place them into your hearts, as you ask and as you knock. And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter. Again, this another comforter is not the same as the first comforter mentioned in verse 26 which says, but the comforter, which, the whole, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. So to distinguish from the comforter, Christ says, I will give you another comforter in verse 16, that he may abide with you forever. Even the spirit of truth, 
And as we read in DNC 88, Christ declares himself to be the spirit of truth. Whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not. Neither knoweth him, but ye know him. For he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. Now, what does that mean that the spirit of truth shall be in you? Does it mean that Christ is going to physically dwell inside us? No. Um, but it does mean that as you are brought up to the high mountain into the presence of Christ in his glory, grosser matter is burned out of you and is replaced with light. And just like at the time you received the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, where you received a greater portion of light, and you received the keys to unlock the mysteries of godliness, how to enter into the rest of the Lord. So when you enter into the rest of the Lord, you're given additional keys of knowledge and a greater portion of the light of Christ. And that is what dwells in you. And since you have been given greater keys of knowledge to that which dwells in you, um, that is what this verse means. For he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless, or I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. This has an allusion to that which must first be received, even the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, whereby a man or woman is adopted as a son or daughter of Christ. But there is even a higher level of sonship and daughtership, and that is when one enters into the rest of the Lord, one goes from an adopted son or daughter to a birthright son or daughter on one's way to become a king and priest or queen and priestess. Yet a little while, and the world seeth me no more. But ye see me, because I live, ye shall live also. Or you will also be quickened by the Spirit. You'll become my son, you'll become my daughter. You will enter into my rest. As I have been resurrected, so will you be resurrected. And if you continue to endure to the end in the fullness of the gospel of Jesus Christ, you will become even as I have and will become. At that day, ye shall know that I am in my Father, and ye in me, and I in you. And he that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me, and he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him and will manifest myself to him. Judas saith unto him, not Iscariot, Lord, how is it that thou wilt manifest thyself unto us and not unto the world? Jesus answered and said unto him, if a man love me, he will keep my words, and my Father will love him. And we will come unto him and make our abode with him. Now, again, that does not mean that the Father and the Son are literally going to come and dwell inside us. What it does mean is that in due time, 
You shall enter into my rest. And then when you further qualify, I will present you to Father in his glory, just as I will have brought you into my glory. Now, you know, at the end of verse 16, which says, and I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. And in verse 17, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. The Greek translation makes it clear that the he to whom Christ is referring is himself, not the Holy Ghost, the first comforter. The he in these verses is reflexive, or in other words, third-person speech. Namely, a third-person personal pronoun. Christ makes mention of the Holy Ghost as the first comforter in John 14, 26. And also, it's interesting to note that the footnote, John 14, verse 16, in uh, my version of the Bible, you know, which is the LDS version, which was, you know, printed before 2013. The footnote says, Jesus Christ, second comforter to 16a, another comforter. However, it was removed in the 2013 edition of the LDS scriptures and was replaced with um, C topical guide the Holy Ghost Comforter. Now, if we go to DNC 130. Verse 3. John 14.23. And again, John 14.23 says... Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my words, and my Father will love him, and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. John 14, 23, the appearing of Father and Son in that verse is a personal appearance, and the idea that the Father and the Son dwell in a man's heart is an old sectarian notion and is false. Now, Joseph Smith said, and this is taken from um, Teaching is the Prophet Joseph Smith, pages 149 to 151, under the heading, The Two Comforters. The other comforter spoken of is a subject of great interest and perhaps understood by few of this generation. After a person has faith in Christ, repents of his sins, and is baptized for the remission of his sins, and receives the Holy Ghost by the laying on of hands, which is the first comforter, then let him continue to humble himself before God, hungering and thirsting after righteousness and living by every word of God. And the Lord will soon say unto him, son, thou shalt be exalted. When the Lord has thoroughly proved him and finds that that man is determined to serve him at all hazards, then the man will find his calling and election made sure. And then will, it will be his privilege to receive the other comforter, 
which the Lord hath promised the saints as is recorded in the testimony of John in the 14th chapter from the 12th to the 27th verses. Now, what is this other comforter? It is no more nor less than the Lord Jesus Christ himself. This is the sum and substance of the whole matter, that when any man obtains this last comforter, he will have the personal appearance of Jesus Christ to attend him or appear unto him from time to time, and even he will manifest the Father unto him. And they will take up their abode with him, and the visions of the heavens will be opened unto him, and the Lord will teach him face to face. And he may have a perfect knowledge of the mysteries of the kingdom of God, and this is the state of the place of the ancient saints arrived at, when they had such glorious visions, Isaiah, Ezekiel, John upon the Isle of Patmos, St. Paul in the, th three, in the three heavens, and all the saints who held communion with the general assembly and church of the firstborn. Now Moses, chapter 1. We learn some really important details about what this experience is the second comforter. The words of God which he spake unto Moses at a time when Moses was caught up into an exceedingly high mountain. Again, this was not an earthly mountain, it's the heavenly mountain. That place which is also called the seventh heaven by Isaiah and Enoch. Um, the place where Christ reigns in the fullness of his glory. And he saw God face to face, and he talked with him, and the glory of God was upon Moses, therefore Moses could endure his presence. The glory of God being upon Moses meant that he had been transfigured. And so Moses had already received the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost. Now he receives a brand new baptism of fire, and that baptism of fire progresses to transfiguration. And once Moses is transfigured, he is caught up to the high mountain or the seventh heaven and comes into the presence of Jesus Christ in the fullness of his glory. And if we go to verse 9, and the presence of God withdrew from Moses, and his glory was not upon Moses, and Moses was left unto himself, and as he was left unto himself, he fell unto the earth. Or in other words, Moses is transfigured transfiguration ended and once transfiguration ends you cannot stay in christ's presence in the fullness of his glory in the seventh heaven you must leave and so once moses's transfiguration ended he fell back to the earth the question is what aspect of moses fell back to the earth and it's going to be answered in verse 11 and verse 10, and it came to pass that it was for the space of many hours before Moses did again receive his natural strength like unto man. And he said unto himself, now for this cause, I know that man is nothing, which thing I never had supposed. When you come into the presence of Jesus Christ in his glory, although it is always extremely personal and intimate, what it never is, is casual you ever hear of a casual experience in the presence of Jesus Christ in his glory upon the high mount of the seventh heaven, um, 
you know that that wasn't that experience. You know, there are experiences that one can have with Christ um, that are in preparation for coming into his presence in the fullness of his glory. Um, but coming into his presence in his glory is never casual. For one realizes as one never could have before the price that Christ paid for us. And that bottomless chasm that separates us from him. Even the Nephites, when Christ came and visited them, although this was not an ascension experience, they haven't even yet had their baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost. But when they enter into his physical presence on this earth, which again was a preparation to enter into his rest. Third Nephi 11, verse 13, And it came to pass that the Lord spake unto them, saying, Arise and come forth unto me, that ye may thrust your hands into my side, and also that ye may feel the prints of the nails in my hands and in my feet, and that ye may know that I am the God of Israel and the God of the whole earth and have been slain for the sins of the world. And it came to pass that the multitude went forth and thrust their hands into his side, and did feel the prints of the nails in his hands and in his feet. And this they did do going forth one by one, until they had all gone forth, and did see with their eyes and did feel with their hands and did know of a surety, and did bear record that it was he of whom it was written by the prophets that should come. And when they had all gone forth and had witnessed for themselves, they did cry out with one accord, saying, Hosanna. Or in other words, oh, Jesus, save us. Blessed be the name of the Most High God. And they did fall down at the feet of Jesus and did worship him. Coming into the presence of Jesus Christ. Feeling the prince of the nails filled the Nephites with such a great sense of awe and understanding of the price that had been paid for them, that their overwhelming desire was to be saved by him. And there is nothing casual in this. First Nephi. Actually, before we go to 1 Nephi, let's go back to Moses. So again, at the end of verse 10, now for this thing, or now for this cause, I know that man is nothing which thing I never had supposed. So few men or women will ever know the pomp and circumstance that this world has to offer as Moses had experienced growing up as a prince in Egypt. But in comparison, he realized that man was nothing once he entered into the rest of the Lord. But now mine own eyes have beheld God, but not my natural, but my spiritual eyes. For my natural eyes could not have beheld, for I should have withered and died in his presence. But his glory was upon me, and I beheld his face, for I was transfigured before him. Or in other words, we can't take our physical body into the presence of Christ in his glory and remain alive. 
But what can happen is in between our baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, and let's say translation. So we can receive a brand new baptism of fire that can progress to a transfiguration. And then like Moses and like Nephi, our spirit can be taken up to the seventh heaven and our spirit come into the presence of Jesus Christ in his glory. Now, first Nephi chapter 10. Again, we have Nephi's experience of entering into the Lord's rest. And what precipitates it? Well, First Nephi chapter 10, verse 17. And it came to pass that after I, Nephi, having heard all the words of my father concerning the things which he saw in a vision, and also the things which he spake by the power of the Holy Ghost, which power he received by faith on the Son of God. And remember, faith is seeking after receiving and acting on revelation. And the Son of God was the Messiah who should come. I, Nephi, was desirous also that I might see and hear and know these things by the power of the Holy Ghost. And remember that Nephi has already received the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, which account we have in 1 Nephi chapter 2. And remember, one of the tests that he has in between 1 Nephi chapter 2 and 1 Nephi chapter 10 is obtaining the plates of brass. And that he had to slay Laban with his own sword. By the power of the Holy Ghost, which is the gift of God, unto all those who diligently seek him, as well in times of old as in the times that he should manifest himself unto the children of men. And verse 19. For he that diligently seeketh shall find, and the mysteries of God shall be unfolded unto them by the power of the Holy Ghost, as well in, as in these times, as in times of old, as well as in times of old, as in times to come, wherefore the course of the Lord is one eternal round. So again, I say it is the privilege of God's people in every generation in which the fullness of the gospel is on the earth. To receive the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost. To feast upon the words of Christ. And then enter into his rest in this life. Chapter 11, verse 1. For it came to pass that after I had desired to know the things that my father had seen, and believing that the Lord was able to make them known unto me, as I sat pondering in my heart, I was caught away in the spirit of the Lord. So just as Moses was caught away, and his spirit was taken up to the seventh heaven. So is Nephi's. I was caught away in the spirit of the Lord, yea, into an exceedingly high mountain, which I never had before seen, and upon which I never before set my foot. And the spirit said unto me, Behold, what desirest thou? And I said, I desire to behold the things which my father saw. And the Spirit said unto me, Believest thou that thy father saw the tree of which hath been spoken? And I said, Yea, thou knowest that I believe all the words of my father. 
And when I had spoken these words, the spirit cried with a loud voice, saying, Hosanna to the Lord, the Most High God. For he is God above all earth, yea, even above all. And behold, and blessed art thou, Nephi, because thou believest in the Son of the Most High God. Wherefore thou shalt behold the things which thou hast desired. In Moses chapter 7. Verses 1 through 4. We have an account of Enoch's second comforter of Enoch's entering into the rest of the Lord. And it came to pass that Enoch continued his speech, saying, Behold, our father Adam taught these things, and many have believed and have become sons of God. So what did Adam teach that Enoch is also teaching? Well, Moses 6, verse 64. It's actually starting verse 62. And now behold, I say unto you, this is the plan of salvation unto all men. Through the blood of mine only begotten, who shall come in the meridian of time. And verse 64, and it came to pass that when the Lord had spoken with Adam, our father, that Adam cried unto the Lord, and he was caught away by the spirit of the Lord, and was carried down into the water, and was laid under the water, and was brought forth out of the water. And thus he was baptized, and the Spirit of God descended upon him, and thus he was born of the Spirit, and became quickened in the inner man. And he heard a voice out of heaven, saying, Thou art baptized with fire and with the Holy Ghost. This is the record of the Father and the Son from henceforth and forever. And thou art after the order of him who is without beginning of days or end of years from all eternity to all eternity. Behold, thou art one in me, a son of God, and thus may all become my sons. Amen. Or in other words, we become sons or daughters of Christ through the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, by entering into and keeping covenant with him. That we're willing to repent of our sins, be baptized by water, Offer up the sacrifice of a broken heart and contrite spirit, that we might receive the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost. This is the doctrine of Christ. So as Enoch is teaching the doctrine of Christ. Again, verse 1 in chapter 7, and it came to pass that Enoch continued his speech, saying, Behold, our father Adam taught these things, and many have believed and become the sons of God, and many have believed not. And have, per and have perished in their sins and are looking forth with fear in torment for the fiery indignation of the wrath of God to be poured out upon them. And from that time forth, Enoch began to prophesy, saying unto the people that as I was journeying and stood upon the place, Mahuja, I cried unto the Lord, and there came a voice out of heaven, saying, Turn ye and get ye upon the Mount Simeon. Now, in the footnotes, two way, the Hebrew equivalent of Simeon is Shimon, which means hearing. Or Enoch, continue opening your ears to hear, your heart to understand, and be obedient to all of the instruction that I shall give you. 
that you might part the veil and enter into my breast or rest or be brought up to the high mountain. Verse three, and it came to pass that I turned and went up on the mount. Or he followed the instruction of the Lord. And as a result of following the instruction of the Lord, he received a brand new baptism of fire and it progressed to transfiguration. Therefore, his spirit was taken up to the high mountain or the seventh heaven. As I stood upon the mount, I beheld the heavens open and I was clothed upon with glory. And I saw the Lord and he stood before my face and he talked with me, even as a man talketh one with another face to face. And he said unto me, look, and I will show unto thee the world for the space of many generations. And if we go to Moses 6, verses 37 through 39. And it came to pass that Enoch went forth in the land among the people, standing upon the hills and the high places. And he cried with a loud voice, testifying against their works. And all men were offended because of him. And they came forth to hear him upon the high places saying unto the tent keepers tarry ye here and keep the tents while we while ye go while we go yonder to behold the seer for he prophesieth and there is a strange thing in the land a wild man hath come among us and it came to pass that they heard him no man laid his hands on him for fear came on all them that heard him for he walked with god so as we just read in Moses 7 and Moses 6, as Enoch taught the doctrine of Christ, that we must repent, be baptized with water, and with fire and with the Holy Ghost, he also relayed his own ascension experience. And he relayed his own ascension experience that the people might know the path that they themselves must travel the same one that he himself traveled. That he had first received the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost. And then he was instructed about how to part the veil and enter into the Lord's rest. And so could they. Now, continuing from last week, after I related the experience of my baptism, of fire baptism of the Holy Ghost. And a couple of days later, I was at an Isaiah conference, and the woman in whose home I had been at for my baptism of fire baptism of the Holy Ghost experience, she recognized me, she comes up to me, and she said, what a powerful outpouring of the Spirit we had the other evening. It's too bad that that these, that the power of the spirit couldn't remain with us. The only thing that I could look do was look at her and say, for me, it has remained. And then I thought, well, what's next? Well, from the scriptures, I knew what was next. After one receives the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, one starts seeking instruction about what is required of them to part the veil and enter into the rest of the Lord. And as soon as I had that thought, the voice of the adversary came to my mind and said, who do you think you are? What an audacious thought. And I thought, oh, 
have I so soon become filled with pride? And so I texted a good friend and I asked him, hey, um, is it too audacious of me to think that I could begin working on uh, receiving the instruction about how to enter into the Lord's rest? And he texted me back and he said, the Lord loves audacious. And that was exactly what I needed to hear. So two weeks later, I went with a group of men down to an area in central Utah called Parowan Gap. And the purpose of this trip was that, you know, most of the men who were with me were seeking after the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost. So we wanted to spend a few days just uh, communing with God, uh, seeking after and following the Spirit, whatever the Spirit would tell us to do. And so, the first thing that we did when we got to Pair One Gap was select a campsite. We set up our tents. Well, actually, before setting up the tents, the first thing that the Spirit said to do, even before setting up tents, was I want you to build an altar. And so we built an altar. And then the Spirit said, now pitch your tents so that their doors face the altar, which we did. Then we spent the rest of the evening sitting in our camp chairs around the altar, which we had just built relating spiritual experiences, reading scripture, singing hymns, and praying. And the, pro, and the plan was that each man was going to retire to his tent that night, um, but we were going to each have an all-night prayer. And we were going to assemble again at 4 a.m. and continue uh, our group worship and being instructed by and following the Spirit. So as I retired to my tent that night, I began my all-night prayer, and a storm came in, and the temperatures dropped down into the low 30s, and I was not dressed for 30-degree weather, and my all-night prayer lasted a couple of hours, but pretty soon it was so cold I could not take it anymore, and I crawled into my sleeping bag, and you know, to take off enough time to go down to Parowan Gap for a few days, I had to stay up all night and work three nights without catching up on any of that sleep. So my all-night prayer, once I got in my sleeping bag, lasted about 15 more minutes, and I was out cold. And instead of being up by 3.30 so that I could join everybody by 4, my eyes didn't open again until about 9 a.m. And I thought, I have just blown any opportunity that I had to have a powerful spiritual experience down here at Pier 1 Gap. And I poke my head of my tent, and none of the other men are there. But I see a neighboring foothill, and the Spirit instructs me to go to the top of that foothill. And when I reach the top, I see all the other men, and they've been there for hours doing whatever they were doing, and now they're coming down. And as I'm descending with them, I'm feeling additional guilt that I have really blown uh, the experience or the opportunity to have a powerful spiritual experience. So we go down and we again sit in our camp chairs around the altar. And the Spirit says, take the sacrament, which we do. And as we're taking the sacrament, I'm trying with everything that I have to take upon me the name of Jesus Christ and to humble myself before him. And in that process, I begin having another baptism of fire that becomes stronger and stronger 
As this baptism of fire is becoming stronger and stronger, I have an overwhelming desire to pray. And so I fall upon my knees and I crowd unto God. And it quickly becomes a prayer of revelation. And it's not me that's speaking the words, it's the Spirit. And the entire time, this baptism of fire is becoming stronger and stronger. And when the Spirit finishes crying out through me, Spirit instructs me to do something very uncomfortable. The Spirit says, I want you to cry out as loud as you can and proclaim the Hosanna shout. Now, even considering where I'm at and who I'm with, this was a really uncomfortable impression. However, I was obedient. And as I was obedient, spiritual fire came down from heaven. And the altar that we built became a temple altar. And my baptism of fire became orders of magnitude more powerful. And then a second man, after I finished, fell down upon his knees, and he began to cry out unto God. And as he began to cry out unto God, halfway through his prayer, he was also impressed to proclaim the Hosanna shout, and this time everybody joined in. As if, and as everybody joined in, additional spiritual fire came down from heaven. And that temple altar became an altar in the Holy of Holies. And my baptism of fire progressed to a transfiguration. And I found that my spirit was no longer in my body. And that it was in a distant land outside a very large stone building. And there were a long set of stairs going up to a massive door. And as I climbed the stairs and I came to the top of the stairs, I discovered that there were a series of locks going all the way down the door. And I looked down at my waist and I found a set of keys. And I used the keys to unlock all the locks on the door and I walked inside. And inside was a very large room. It was about three stories tall. Everything was out of cut stone. And there was a staircase, a narrow staircase at the back of the room, going up to a doorway that was about three quarters of the way up the back wall. And there were no handrails on this staircase. And at the back right of the room, there was a large basin of water, which probably held several hundred gallons. And the spirit instructed me to go to the basin of water to get in and wash and become clean, which I did. And once I had finished washing, I saw a man who came forward and he dressed me in a white robe and he placed upon me spiritual armor, a helmet, a breast and back plate, foot and shin armor. And he handed me a sword and shield. And I was made to understand that each part of spiritual armor was a different aspect of the power of the Holy Ghost. And now clothed in a white robe and spiritual armor. I began ascending, or I was instructed to ascend the second set of stairs. And as I ascended the second set of stairs, again, I came to a door. But there were no locks on this door. As I opened the door, it was like looking into the center of the sun. I was completely blinded and I could see nothing. But I knew that the light and glory that was blinding me was emanating from the presence of Jesus Christ. And I felt compelled to go forward and walk through the threshold of that door. 
And as I did, I found myself in a vertical portal of light going up at a very rapid rate of speed. Um, and I would liken the sensation that I experienced to jumping out of an airplane with a parachute. And when you reach terminal velocity, before you pull the ripcord, the pit of your stomach is in your throat. Um, this is approximated by being on a roller coaster, cresting the top and then plunging down the other side. And when I came to a stop, I found myself in a high room without any walls. And I could look down into the immense, and I could look out into the immensity of space and down upon the curvature of the earth. And Christ was in the middle of the room. And while I had seen him before in type one and type two visions, never before had I been able to see his face. It was always shrouded in glory as it was at this time. But as the moments passed, my eyes started to be able to penetrate his glory. And soon it was as one man looking at another. And he said to me, what do you desire? And I said, I desire to feel the prints of the nails. At which point he extended the palms of his hands. And I went forward and I knelt before him. And I pressed my thumbs into the prints of the nails in his hands and feet and wrists. And I thrust my hand into his side. And then he said, what do you desire? And I said, I desire to be an eyewitness to your atonement. Well, immediately location changed. And I found myself standing in the Garden of Gethsemane and watching from a distance. Christ walked forward with Peter, James, John, and Mary Magdalene, his wife. And he stopped and he gave Peter, James, and John instruction. And then he continued on by themselves with Mary. And they embraced. And they spoke. And then he went off by himself. And he began crying out unto God. Beginning that great intercessory prayer where he said, Father, I pray not for the world but I pray for those whom thou hast given me out of the world that they might be one with us. Well, who is it that the father has given Christ out of the world? Well, those who shall, those who did and would become Christ's sons and daughters to the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy ghost. That he might extend his hand to them and lift them up to where he was. And as the agony and as the pain of that experience became more and more intense as he literally found himself in the cosmic olive press being crushed to death, his body was soaked in sweat and so was his clothing. And as the agony and as the intensity became even greater. It was great drops of blood that came from every pore. And he cried out, Father, I saw the earth upon which you were a savior. And I saw the moment that you were hanging upon the cross. And the moment that your father withdrew his spirit from you and the horrors of your Gethsemane experience returned 
in full weight and measure. And I saw you cry out that it seemed to be more than you could bear. And so, Father, because I don't want to fail, and because I haven't had all the veils yet removed from me, I don't know if there's another way. So if there's another way, let's go with that other way. However, if there is no other way, I will simply trust you. And as the agony and as the intensity of that experience became even more than intense, Christ falls to the earth. Now he's covered with earth and blood and sweat. And at that moment, the adversary began a vicious assault upon Christ. And demons literally started to pelt his body. And right at that moment, my third person experience became first person as if I was in Christ's body. And to some infinitesimal degree of what he experienced, I experienced the greatest suffering that I had ever felt in my life, and it caused my body to shake violently. And after a period of time, this experience ended. And I found myself back in third person in another place in the garden as Peter cut off the ear of Malchus, the Jewish Sanhedrin guard. And as Christ stooped down to pick up that severed ear, and right at the moment that he placed it upon the head of Malchus. Again, my third-person experience changed to first-person as if I was in Christ's body at the precise moment of healing. Once Malchus had been healed, location changed again, and I found myself at the place of scourging. As they placed those bands upon his wrists, as they began to administer those lashes that literally tore the flesh from his body. The pain that he experienced during that scourging was exponentially greater than any other mortal has ever experienced during a scourging because of the horrible bruising that Christ experienced as he was literally crushed to death in the olive press in the garden. But as the flesh was being ripped from his body, Again, the blood started to flow freely from him. And the thing that shocked me was the, in the middle of being butchered, the overwhelming feeling of love that radiated from Christ for those who had and would yet become his sons and his daughters. As the last of those lashes was administered, again, the location changed, and I found myself standing at the base of a hill. As they hoisted that cross member upon him, as he reached up to carry it, all of the deep wounds again were torn open, and again the blood started to flow freely from his body. As he began to make his way up that hill, it wasn't long before all human strength completely exhausted, he falls flat on his face. And probably also from loss of blood. One comes forward, helps him up, picks up that cross member, and they make their way to the site of crucifixion. Well, as they hammer the first nail through the palm of his hand, again, my third-person perspective changes to first-person, as if I'm in Christ's body. And it was as if they were nailing that nail through my hand. And at that moment, I had a vision open up, and I was taken back and allowed to relive 
what happened several years earlier when I'd taken my downhill mountain bike and I, at midnight, I had rode it up to the top of Squaw Peak Lookout and at midnight, um, I rode down the face of Squaw Peak. Now, having done this, this was the third night in the row, as I recall. Um, this night, I thought, you know, why am I riding all the way up there with 35 PSI in my tires? This is a lot more difficult than it needs to be. So I took it down to, so, or why am I riding all the way up there with five PSI in my tires? Um, so I pumped it up them up to 35 PSI, and I was going to let the extra air out when I got to the top. But when I got to the top, I'd completely forgotten. Instead of tracking as if it was on rails, as I hit the first 90-degree left-hand corner, my bike came out from under me, went over the berm, and I fell down on my left hand on a sharp-pointed rock, which completely pierced my hand. As I lay there that night in a pool of my own blood, um, in pain so intense it was paralyzing, I thought to myself that night, now I understand just one aspect of the physical suffering that Christ went through when he had that first nail nailed to the palm of his hand. And I knew that that was nothing in comparison to what he experienced, but I could not imagine being in any more pain than I was in at that time. But once I had been allowed to relive that experience, that vision closed, and I found myself back at the site of crucifixion, back in third person, as they nailed the second nail through his other hand, and then through his feet, and then through his wrists. And then time was fast forwarded to the moment that father withdrew his spirit from Christ. And at that moment, the horrors of Gethsemane returned in full weight and measure upon him. And that was when he cried out, Oh, Father, why hast thou forsaken me? After a period of time, The voice of father came to his son and said, it is finished. At which point Christ cried out loud that it was finished. And I saw his body go limp and his head hang down. And then I saw his spirit start to leave his body and start to ascend upward. And it was my overwhelming desire at that time to go exactly where he was going but I found myself chained and shackled to the ground. It took every ounce of fight and battle that I could possibly muster to break free from the chains that held me bound and to start to go where he was going. And at that moment, much as Moses describes in Moses 1 verse 9, as his transfiguration ended and he fell back to the earth, so did mine. And my spirit also fell back to the earth. And it was several days before I regained full physical strength. Several months later, I was back up at my altar, up Provo Canyon. 
and I was crying out unto the Lord. And I had just taken the sacrament. And as I took the sacrament again with everything that I had, I sought to take upon me the name of Christ. And as I was partaking of the sacrament, the voice of the Lord came to me and asked me, what are you willing to sacrifice? And I said, what am I willing to sacrifice? Um, I'm willing to sacrifice everything, even my life. And the Spirit said, well, how about your vehicle? That hasn't yet been taken from you. Um, and I said, of course, I'm willing to sacrifice my vehicle. You know, it's nothing. And then the Spirit said, are you willing to sacrifice your life? And I said, I lay it freely upon the altar. And as I said that, the baptism of fire that I had been experiencing that started with the sacrament, which had been increasing, it also progressed to transfiguration. I found myself back in that vertical portal of light that goes up to the high room. And when I got to the high room, again, Christ was there. And he said to me, what do you desire? And I said, I desire to be presented to Father. At which point, Christ took me, and he parted a set of veils, and he presented me to Father. And Father laid his hands on my head and gave me a blessing. Now, when one comes into the presence of Jesus Christ in his glory, it feels as if every particle of your body would melt. And you, you cannot fathom that you could ever encounter any more glory than that. It is so much glory that it doesn't even seem possible to survive that amount of glory. But when Christ presents you to Father, one comes into an even greater level of glory. And this is why there has to be a recovery period in between the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, and the second comforter. For the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost seemed to take me to the edge of what it was possible to physically survive without passing to the other side. And I couldn't imagine at that time experiencing anything more powerful. When I entered into the rest of the Lord, it was even more powerful by than that by orders of magnitude. And again, coming into that much glory, it seemed to take me to the edge of what was possible to survive, and I could not comprehend of ever coming into more glory than that. However, being presented to Father and entering into his glory, one is brought into even more glory. And if one were to experience coming into Christ's glory and Father's glory for the first time at the same time, I cannot fathom being able to survive that. And so there's, there's always 
a period in between that one can recover and also that one can continue to qualify for the next level of ascension, to be instructed by the Spirit. And the test is, will you obey perfectly or as perfectly as you are able, the voice of the Spirit? Well, once the blessing was over, I found myself standing back in the high room and back in the presence of Jesus Christ. And again, he asked me, what do you desire? And I said, I desire to see events that will transpire during the end times of great tribulation. And, you know, what, what I'll be doing at that time. And so I had a vision open up before me. And I saw things that would transpire during times of great tribulation. After great destruction um, had occurred everywhere that I could see. And once I had been allowed to see these events um, and things that I should be doing if I remain true and faithful, the vision closed up. And again, Christ asked me, what do you desire? And I said, I desire to be sent on a mission. As soon as I said that, I found that I was standing um, right above where my body was kneeling at my altar. And a horizontal portal opened up above and to the right of uh, my altar where I had been kneeling. And as I entered into the portal, I very quickly came out the other side and I was in, you know, a dense jungle area. And I didn't know exactly where I was, but I did know what my mission was. There was a Christian woman who was locked up in a room. And there were a group of Muslim men who were coming to ravage and to behead her. And she was crying out unto God for deliverance. And it was my job to go and deliver her out of that room and to take her to a place of safety. And after I had accomplished my mission, I found myself standing back at the opposite end of the horizontal portal. I entered into it. And as I came out the other side, um, the next thing I knew, I was looking down at my physical body. And then I was in my body. And I started then going down from the mountain. And the next day, I'd had to get up, you know, quite early, you know, about three in the morning and do some traveling. And as well, as I was on my way back that morning, I was actually headed to church. Um, you know, having missed a couple of nights of sleep that week, I fell asleep and I crashed into a tree. And my vehicle was completely destroyed. Um, and I should have been killed. Um, and all of the bones in my body should have been broken. Uh, but that didn't happen. I got uh, a concussion and I bruised my left elbow pretty, pretty good. Um, as, as the days went by, the effects of the concussion became worse and worse. 
And I found that I would maybe have three hours during a day in which I could function normally. And it was almost like a steel trap would shut over my mind and I wouldn't be able to get out of bed for three days. Well, every day they went past, the effects of the concussion became worse and worse. And now it was a month since the accident. And it was two days before Christmas. And I woke up and the spirit said to me, um, or I awakened that morning and I started the process of dying. And as I was transitioning from this side to the other side, I cried out unto Father. And I said, Father, a month ago, you asked me when I was at my altar if I was willing to sacrifice my vehicle. I said, of course. And you immediately took it from me. And that's fine. And then you asked me if I was willing to sacrifice my life. And now that is being taken from me. If that's what you require of me to sacrifice at this time, it's okay. I freely offer it. However, if that's not what you require of me at this time, I want to live and I want to be healed. As soon as I said that, immediately the process of dying stopped. And I received an impression to reach out to a friend and ask for a blessing. Well, everything transpired against me that day to prevent me from getting up to Salt Lake to receive that blessing. Um, I didn't even make it up there until 10.30 p.m. And I thought that I was probably too late. He was probably in bed. So I texted him. And he said, no, come over. I'm still up. As I knocked on the door and he answered the door, he looked at me and said, I've been inquiring of God about your request. And he told me that you would be completely and immediately healed. He then gave me the shortest blessing that I've ever witnessed. He laid his hands on my head and said, in the name of Jesus Christ, and by the authority of the priesthood, I command you to be healed in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. And immediately I was. Now, if we go to Abraham, chapter 3, we have a verse about Abraham's ascension experience. Abraham 3.11. Thus I, Abraham, talked with the Lord face to face, as one man talked with another. And he told me of the works which his hands had made. And DNC 84. Verses 23 and 24. Now this Moses plainly taught to the children of Israel in the wilderness and sought diligently to sanctify his people, that they might behold the face of God. Well, what did Moses seek diligently to teach his people as they were in the wilderness? What was the doctrine of Christ? It was repentance, baptism of water, the sacrifice of a broken heart and contrite spirit, and the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, that they then might be instructed to enter into his rest or behold the face of God. Verse 24, but they hardened their hearts and could not endure his presence. Therefore, the Lord in his wrath for his anger was kindled against them, swore that they should not enter into his rest while in the wilderness, which rest is the fullness of his glory. So entering into the rest of the Lord is entering into his presence in the fullness of his glory which does not happen on this earth. 
And it does not happen in vision. It happens in the seventh heaven or upon the high mountain. And just as it was the privilege of the children of Israel under Moses when the fullness of the gospel was on the earth to receive the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, and then enter into the Lord's rest, so it is with us today. If we do not make the same mistake that the children of Israel made and reject the doctrine of Christ and harden our hearts and refuse to do what is required of us to receive the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, and then do what is required to enter into the Lord's rest. First Nephi chapter 10. Regarding Moses having the responsibility and all men who become high priests, it is their responsibility to work with their people and proclaim the doctrine of Christ to them, that they also might receive the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, and enter into the Lord's rest. Again, verse 17 in 1 Nephi chapter 10, And it came to pass that after I, Nephi, having heard all the words of my father concerning the things which he saw in vision, and also the things which he spake by the power of the Holy Ghost, which power he received by faith on the Son of God. And the Son of God was the Messiah who should come. I, Nephi, was desirous also that I might see and hear and know of these things by the power of the Holy Ghost, which is a gift of God unto all those who diligently seek him as well as in times of old, as in times that he shall manifest himself unto the children of men. For he that diligently seeketh shall find, and the mysteries of God shall be unfolded unto them. And the power of the Holy, by the power of the Holy Ghost as well in these times as in the times of old, as well in the times of old as in the times to come, wherefore the course of the Lord is one eternal round. And Alma, chapter 13. And again, my brethren, I would cite your minds forward to the time when the Lord God gave these commandments unto his children. And I would that you should remember that the Lord God ordained priests after his holy order. Now the holy order is comprised of those who have been ordained to the second order of Melchizedek priesthood. And it is in preparation for that priesthood to be sealed upon them, that they might become kings and priests. And what is required of them to go from being ordained to the holy order to having that priesthood sealed upon them is to wear out their lives in proclaiming the fullness of the gospel and helping all who will Offer up the sacrifice of broken hearts and contrite spirits and receive the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost. And then to enter into the Lord's rest. Verse 6. And thus being called by this holy calling and ordained unto the high priesthood of the holy order of God. To teach his commandments unto the children of men that they also might enter into his rest. 
and verses 10 through 13. Now, as I said concerning the holy order or this high priesthood, there were many who were ordained and became high priests of God. And it was on account of their exceeding faith and repentance and their righteousness before God, they choosing to repent and work righteousness rather than to perish. Therefore, they are called after this holy order and were sanctified and their garments were washed white through the lamb of the lamb or through the blood of the lamb. Now they being sanctified by the Holy Ghost, having their garments made white, being pure and spotless before God, could not look upon sin, save it were with abhorrence. And there were many exceedingly great many who were made pure and entered into the rest of the Lord their God. And verse 16. Now these ordinances were given after, the, after this manner, that thereby the people might look forward to the Son of God, it being a type of his order, or being his order, or it being his order, and this that they might look forward to him for remission of their sins, that they might enter into the rest of the Lord. DNC 76. Verses 53 and 54, which is after verse 52, 52 being the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost ordinance. And who overcome by faith. And remember this overcoming by faith means the same thing as in 2 Nephi 32, feasting upon the words of Christ after the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost. And it means the same thing as back in Alma 13, when Alma is giving the prerequisites for a man to become part of the Holy Order, um, when we look halfway through verse 3, therefore they having chosen good and exercised exceedingly great faith, or this exercising exceedingly great faith means the same thing as feasting upon the words of Christ after the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, or overcoming by faith the beginning of verse 53 in DNC 76 and are sealed by the Holy spirit of promise. And we know that the Holy spirit of promise is Jesus Christ, which the father sheds forth upon all those who are just and true. They are, they who are members of the church of the firstborn. For when we enter into the rest of the Lord and are sealed by the Holy spirit of promise, we become members of the church of the firstborn, the celestial order of the gospel. And in DNC 76, 114 through 119. But great and marvelous are the works of the Lord and the mysteries of his kingdom, which he showed unto us, which surpass all understanding in glory and in might and in dominion, which he commanded us we should not write while we were yet in the spirit and are not lawful for man to utter. Neither is man capable to make them known, for they are only to be seen and understood by the power of the Holy Spirit, which God bestows on those who love him and purify themselves before him. 
to whom he grants this privilege of seeing and knowing for themselves. That through the power and manifestation of the spirit while in the flesh, they may be able to bear his presence in the world of glory. And to God and the Lamb be glory and honor and dominion forever and ever. Amen. That through the power and manifestation of the Spirit, while yet in the flesh, they might receive another baptism of fire, and it progressed to transfiguration that they might enter into the rest of the Lord, or that they might be able to bear his presence in the world of glory. The second comforter does not happen on this earth, or it happens in the seventh heaven. And DNC 93. Starting in verse 19. And I give unto you these sayings that you may understand and know how to worship and know what you worship, that you may come unto the Father in my name and in due time receive of his fullness. Well, the fullness being talked about here is to have Christ part the veil and present you to Father, which must be preceded by entering into the rest of Jesus Christ, which must be preceded by the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost. For if you keep my commandments, verse 20, you shall receive of his fullness and be glorified in me as I am in the Father. Therefore, I say unto you, you shall receive grace for grace. And now verily I say unto you that I was in the beginning with the Father and am the firstborn. And all those who are begotten through me are partakers of the glory of the same and are the church of the firstborn. So, here we find out that there are two different levels of being begotten by Christ. The first level is when we become sons and daughters through the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost. But there is a greater level to be received. And that is to be begotten by Christ by entering into his rest. At which time we become birthright sons and daughters. The Father declares us just and true and we become members of the church of the firstborn. Verse 22 again, and all those who are begotten through me are partakers of the glory of the same and are the church of the firstborn. And verses one through four, verily thus saith the Lord, it shall come to pass that every soul who forsaketh his sins and cometh unto me and calleth on my name and obeyeth my voice and keepeth my commandments shall see my face and know that I am. And again, this is more than seeing Christ in vision, and it's more than seeing Christ on this earth, as did the Nephites and the Twelve Apostles. This is to enter into his rest. And that I am the true light that lighteth every man that cometh into the world. Okay, again, this has reference to the light of Christ which emanates from his body. And that I am in the Father, and the Father in me, and the Father and I are one. And the Father, because he gave me of his fullness, and the Son, because I was in the world, and made flesh my tabernacle, and dwelt among the sons of men. 
and DNC 101. Verses 38 and 39. And seek the face of the Lord always, that in patience ye may possess your souls, and ye shall have eternal life. When men are called unto mine everlasting gospel and covenant with an everlasting covenant, they are accounted as the salt of the earth and the savor of men. So what is required of us to become as salt and the savor of men? To be called into the everlasting covenant, even that of baptism of water, repentance, broken heart and contrite spirit and receiving the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, and for a man also to receive the first order of Melchizedek priesthood and do everything required that it might be sealed upon him. That man is accounted as the salt of the earth and the savor of men. And Ether 12. Nineteen through twenty-one, and there were many whose faith was so exceedingly strong, even before Christ came, he could not be, who could not be kept from within the veil, but truly saw with their eyes the things which they had beheld with an eye of faith, and they were glad. And behold, we have seen in this record that one of these was the brother of Jared, for so great was his faith in God. That when God put forth his finger, he could not hide it from the sight of the brother of Jared, because of his word which he had spoken unto him, which word he had obtained by faith. And Ether 3. Verses 6 through 20. And it came to pass that when the brother of Jared had said these words, behold, the Lord stretched forth his hand and touched the stones one by one with his finger. And the veil was taken off the eyes of the brother of Jared, and he saw the finger of the Lord, and it was the finger of a man, and like unto the flesh and blood, like unto flesh and blood. And the brother of Jared fell down before the Lord and was struck with fear. And the Lord saw that the brother of Jared had fallen to the earth, and the Lord said unto him, Arise, why hast thou fallen? And he saith unto the Lord, I saw the finger of the Lord, and I feared lest he should smite me. For I knew not that the Lord had flesh and blood. And the Lord said unto him, Because of thy faith thou hast seen that I shall take upon me flesh and blood. And never has man come before me with such exceeding faith as thou hast. For were it not so, ye could not have seen my finger. Sawest thou more than this? And he said, Nay, Lord, show thyself unto me. And the Lord said unto him, Believest thou the words which I shall speak? And he answered, Yea, Lord, I know that thou speakest the truth, for thou art a God of truth, and canst not lie. And when he had said these words, behold, the Lord showed himself unto him and said, Because thou knowest these things, ye are redeemed from the fall, therefore ye are brought back into my presence. So 
So on this earth, the brother of Jared saw the finger of the Lord, his spirit finger. And through this experience and the instruction that he received from the Lord, um, of which this is not a full account, he was also brought up to the high mountain. Or, in other words, therefore ye are brought back into my presence. Therefore I show myself unto you. Behold, I am he who was prepared from the foundation of the world to redeem my people. Behold, I am Jesus Christ. I am the Father and the Son. And in me shall all mankind have light. And that eternally even they who shall believe on my name. And they shall become my sons and my daughters. Again, expounding to the brother of Jared the doctrine of Christ. We become Christ's sons and daughters through the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, and we become his birthright sons and daughters when we enter into his rest. And never have I showed myself unto man whom I have created, for never has man believed in me as thou hast. Seest thou that ye are created after mine own image? Yea, even all men were created in the beginning after mine own image. Behold, this body which ye now behold is the body of my spirit. And man have I created after the body of my spirit, and even as I appear unto thee to be in the spirit, I will appear unto my people in the flesh. And now as I, Moroni, said, I could not make a full account of these things which are written. Therefore, it sufficeth me to say that Jesus showed himself unto this man in the spirit, even after the manner and in the likeness of the same body, even as he showed himself unto the Nephites. And he ministered unto him, even as he ministered unto the Nephites, and all this, that this man might know that he was God, because of the great, of the many great works which the Lord had shown unto him. And because of the knowledge of this man, he could not be kept from beholding within the veil. And he saw the finger of Jesus, which when he saw, he fell with fear, for he knew that it was the finger of the Lord, and he had faith no longer, for he knew nothing doubting. Wherefore, having this perfect knowledge of God, he could not be kept from within the veil. Wherefore, he saw Jesus, and he did minister unto him. And Ether chapter 4, verse 4. Behold, I have written upon these plates the very things which the brother of Jared saw. And there never were greater things made manifest than those which were made manifest unto the brother of Jared. And verses 6 and 7, for the Lord said unto me, they, the things in the sealed portion of the Book of Mormon, shall not go forth unto the Gentiles until the day that they shall repent of their iniquity and become clean before me. So how do we, the Church of Jesus Christ, members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, or the Gentiles, as referred to in the Book of Mormon, repent of our iniquity and become clean before the Lord? that we might qualify to receive the sealed portion of the Book of Mormon, or we must repent, be baptized by water, receive the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, and then continue to endure to the end and enter into the rest of the Lord, that we might become members of the Church of the Firstborn, 
For these are they to whom the record of the brother of Jared is given, even a celestial record of scripture. And verse 7, and in that day, that they shall exercise faith in me, saith the Lord, even as the brother of Jared. So in that day, when they seek after, receive, and act on revelation, and do all things that I commanded them, even as the brother of Jared did, and this would be on the Exodus, that they may become sanctified in me, then will I manifest unto them the things which the brother of Jared saw, even to the unfolding unto them of all my revelations, saith Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the Father of heaven and of the earth and all things that in them are. This is more than to receive the sealed portion of the Book of Mormon. This is a subsect of those who become members of the Church of the Firstborn and then receive the sealed portion of the Book of Mormon, for which or for whom some of them, it will act as a catalyst, just like the Lehi's vision acted as a catalyst for Nephi to desire to see and to hear and to know for himself the things which his father saw. And as a result, he was shown the things that his father saw and more. And so will the reception of the sealed portion of the Book of Mormon act as a catalyst for those who desire to see and to hear and to know the things that the brother of Jared saw and are willing to seek after, receive, and act on revelation as he was willing to do. They will have the same vision of all things, even as the brother of Jared received. And Moroni 7 verse 3. Wherefore, I would speak unto you that are the church, that are the peaceable followers of Christ, and that have obtained a sufficient hope by which ye can enter into the rest of the Lord. From this time henceforth until ye shall rest with him in heaven. So here we see a, a clear delineation between entering into the rest of the Lord in this life and doing all things that are required that we may become even as Christ is, and therefore rest with him in heaven. And sometimes in the scriptures, uh, the rest of the Lord is used to describe that condition of continuing on the path of the doctrine of Christ until we become as Christ is. Um, but oftentimes, it has direct reference to coming into the presence of Jesus Christ in this life, having an ascension experience. And we get both contexts in this verse. And again, verse three, wherefore, I would speak unto you that are the church, that are the peaceable followers of Christ, and have obtained a sufficient hope by which you can enter into the rest of the Lord, meaning those who have received the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, and are now feasting upon the words of Christ and being instructed about how to enter into the Lord's rest in this life. And have obtained a sufficient hope by which ye can enter into the rest of the Lord from this time henceforth until ye shall rest with him in heaven. And Alma chapter 16. 
verses 15 and 17. And thus did Alma and Amulek go forth, and also many more who had been chosen for the work, to preach the word throughout all the land. And the establishment of the church became general throughout the land, in all the regions round about among all the people of the Nephites, that they might not be hardened against the word, that they might not be unbelieving and go on to destruction, but that they, they might receive the word with joy, and as a branch be grafted into the true vine, they might enter into the rest of the Lord their God. For this is always the purpose of the fullness of the gospel, it is to bring men and to bring women into the Lord's rest into this life. And 3 Nephi 27. Verse 19. And no unclean thing can enter into his kingdom. Therefore, nothing entereth into his rest, save it be those who have washed their garments in my blood. Because of their faith, because of their seeking after seeking, receiving and acting on revelation, and the repentance of all their sins, and their faithfulness unto the end. These are they who enter into the rest of the Lord. And Jacob... Jacob 1, verse 7. Wherefore we labor diligently among our people that we might persuade them to come unto Christ and partake of the goodness of God that they might enter into his rest, lest by any means he should swear in his wrath that they should not enter in as in the first provocation. What is the first provocation? It's exactly what we read in DNC 84 when the children of Israel rejected their opportunity to enter into the Lord's rest. And thus they were demoted from the fullness of the gospel. They had the Melchizedek priest had taken from them. And they had the Aaronic priesthood and the preparatory gospel. Same thing that happened to the Latter day Saints in 1834 when we rejected our opportunity to, like the children of Israel under Moses, enter into the new and everlasting covenant, offer up our sacrifice of broken heart and contrite spirit, that we might receive the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, and go on from there to enter into the Lord's rest. However, DNC 45, where the day in which we now live, which is the time of the Gentiles having come in. And when the time of the Gentiles is come in, a light shall break forth among them that sit in darkness, and it shall be the fullness of my gospel. But they, the Latter-day Saints, in general receive it not, for they perceive not the light, and they turn their hearts from me because of the precepts of men. And in that generation shall the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. And. Hebrews, chapter 12, verse 14. Follow peace with all men, 
and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. And so it is my testimony that the time of the Gentiles has come in. The fullness of the gospel is on the earth. That it is again possible by offering up the sacrifice of a broken heart and contrite spirit, by receiving precisely what that means by revelation and following that revelation, to receive the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, and then to continue and feast upon the words of Christ, that we might enter into his rest, which rest is the fullness of his glory. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.